0: On today's episode of the KetoCamp podcast, we discuss the gut microbiome with Martha Carlin.
1: If you think about when fruit ripens, it ripens at the end of the season when you're normally going into a period of time where you might be under food stress historically. So, you know, maybe at that point in time, that's, that's when you need to eat some fruit because it's local, available, fresh, hasn't been shipped from all over the world. And that's the signal to your body of, you know, we're going into a different time and you should switch to a different kind of cycle.
0: Hey, Keto Camper. Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp Podcast. You can learn more about me over at benazadi.com. Today, we have a dear friend of mine, a colleague, Martha Carlin, and she's been on the Keto Camp Podcast before. A little over a year ago, we did an episode on the gut microbiome and brain disorders, and we shared her, well, she shared her backstory of her husband, John, getting diagnosed with Parkinson's and some of the things she's done with John to really improve. His um, condition. And that was a fantastic episode. If you haven't listened to that one yet, episode 357, we'll link it down below in the podcast notes. Today, we bring back Martha to discuss, to dive even deeper into the gut microbiome and some of the latest research out there. Uh, Martha is somebody who is always studying. She's always reading books. She's also a member of uh, my Keto Camp Academy, and she's completely transformed her health with keto and fasting and keto flexing, and she'll share about that. We're going to get into some studies that I will reference in the podcast notes if you want to check them out. We'll get into mitohormesis, which is a stress to the mitochondria that helped the mitochondria get stronger and adapt. Remember, when we talk about hormesis and stress, stress is only bad when you don't adapt to it. Stress could be very beneficial if you do adapt to it. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about you are what you eat. And you are what you eat-ate, you are also what you absorb. So we'll talk about LPS, lipopolysaccharide, which is a cell wall component of a gram-negative bacteria. And when bacteria break down and die, bits of their cell wall remains. And this LPS can enter your bloodstream and trigger inflammation and potentially an autoimmune response. So we'll talk about the ways to test for LPS, how to lower your LPS in your blood, and so much more. We will also get into the immune system and why the LPS can challenge the immune system and actually lower your immune health. We'll get into some studies that kind of verify what you can do to create this mitohormesis and healthier mitochondria. We'll get into fruit and why there is a time and place to consume fructose from whole fruit. But in this day and age, they are widely available and um, we're eating them year round and we're eating them in excess and it could be problematic depending on the person's metabolism. We'll get into her formulation called Sugar Shift. This is a product, a high quality probiotic that I use myself and I use with my students and it's been developed really strategically. She's going to share a clinical study out of Cuba that showed Sugar Shift helps people get into ketosis, improve their blood sugar levels, also potentially help with A1c and also help with LPS, meaning lowering this inflammatory LPS marker. We'll get into the different strains in the product and what they do for the gut. Then we'll talk about how antibiotics destroy the gut bacteria and how it's almost impossible to recover from a positive bacteria strain when you take an antibiotic and what you can do to repopulate with good bacteria if you've ever taken an antibiotic for whatever reason We'll talk about different areas of the gut microbiome. This is going to be a masterclass for you. She also has been reading a lot of incredible books, which she's going to reference some of her favorites. I asked her that at the end. And if you want to get any of her products and learn more about what she's doing over at Quest, head over to BioticQuest.com and use the coupon code KETOK15 at checkout for 15% off. We'll reference that down below in the podcast notes along with her social media, her blog, and everything mentioned can be found down below. If you want to watch the video format of today's interview or any of the interviews we do on the Keto Camp podcast, that can be found on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ketocamp. Martha and I will be speaking at KetoCon 2023 in beautiful Austin, Texas in April, the third week of April. We'll talk about that on today's episode Uh, I highly recommend you go to KetoCon. It's an incredible event. It's like the Super Bowl of Keto events. So if you want to learn more about KetoCon, head over to ketocon.org. And if you use the coupon code KETOCAMP at checkout, you'll get $50 off your ticket price. We would love to see you there and hang out with you in person. Before I bring her on, let's just take a minute to get to today's Apple Podcast rating and review from Jay Berlin. It's a five-star review titled... I learned most of what I know from Ben. Here's what Jay Berlin said. I'm so grateful for this info he is putting out on the podcast. I love his mission and dedication to bring them to the best of us. I'm a fan, a huge fan. Heart emoji, uh, prayer hands emoji as well. Thank you so much, Berlin. Uh, We are so grateful you continuously show up and listen to the show. Out of all the options out there, we really appreciate you choosing us if you have not left the KetoCamp podcast a rating or a review on whatever platform you're listening from, please do so right now. It really, really helps. And maybe I'll read your review on the next episode. All right, let's have a round two discussion with Martha Carlin. Martha Carlin is the founder and CEO of BiotaQuest. This company strives to help people feel better by advancing gut metabolism as the key to regaining health by enabling the body to produce and absorb essential nutrients and detoxify toxins effectively. She considers herself to be a citizen scientist. She began her journey to help her husband with Parkinson's disease. Ultimately, her goal is to end the suffering of people with Parkinson's disease by making a cure. She has a wonderful TEDx talk about that story, which I recommend you watch on YouTube. Here is Martha Carlin. Martha Carlin, welcome back to the Keto Camp podcast.
1: Thanks so much, Ben. I'm really excited to be back with you.
0: So for those watching on YouTube, you can see that me and Martha both have blue light blocking glasses. So we're going to be so focused and so alert because we're filtering out all the junk light. We look super cool. <laughs> Martha is not only a dear friend of mine, but also somebody who I've learned from with in regards to the gut microbiome, LPS, which we're going to talk about today, Alzheimer's, neurological disorders. And if you didn't listen to the previous episode, Martha Carlin was on the KetoCamp podcast. That was episode 357, which was a little over a year ago. It was an incredible interview. Martha shared her story of her, her husband, John, uh, dealing with Parkinson's and how she became this citizen scientist and became so obsessed with understanding Neurological disorders and John is doing just great. And Martha, by the way, if you watched that interview last time with Martha, which was about a little over a year ago, and you watch her today, Martha, you have completely changed your physical and mental appearance. You look so incredibly healthy. And I know keto has been a big part of that. You're my Keto Camp Academy. So let's start right there. How has keto worked for you this past year?
1: Sure. Well, I mean, it's interesting. I was on the podcast. Uh, at the end of December 2021 and i had just gotten over covid i had some excess weight i think you know i anyway i i didn't look healthy i didn't feel healthy and you know after meeting you and really looking more into your approach to keto and how that might help me i did your first 7 day you know, let's give it a test. And I was like, I think I want to do this. And it was just incredibly transformative for me because, you know, you've got the support system there, like all the keys for how to do it, the interaction with other people who are, you know, going through the same thing. And, you know, it was just amazing. I lost, I think, 20 pounds, you know, I'm probably stabilized at about 15 because I was maybe fasting a little too much early on, uh,
0: <laughs> for sure you were <laughs>
1: uh, and getting a little bit too thin, but um it just really made such a huge difference in my energy level and how I feel and definitely how I look, Of course, I cut my hair too
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you your daughter got married too, right? you went to a wedding last year, her wedding, and uh, you looked incredible, and your you know the dress you wore, and it's just super cool to see that. And it's so important because in the last 12 months, your your company and the research you're doing, and, and we'll get into all that, has accelerated. So you need the energy for all that has come your way. So what great timing for you, Martha.
1: <laughs> thanks, Ben. And thanks for all your help. It's been great.
0: <laughs> of course. No, I love it. I love it. And I We are blessed to have you in our Keto Camp Academy because when you come on those group coaching calls that we have you are always sharing with us i'm always learning all the students are learning so it's definitely a, a win win and we're both blessed uh, to have each other in our lives so let's talk about some cool things you you uh, are always sending me studies here and there i think this is be interesting for you to read i think this is, and i and i love it because you're kind of doing the legwork and letting me review the things that you find fascinating and you sent me uh, three or four studies in the last couple of weeks getting ready for this podcast and we're going to get to that um really fascinating studies but we're going to lay some groundwork first and foremost we're going to talk a little bit about the krebs cycle we're going to talk a little bit about how the digestive system works we're going to talk about lps what exactly that is so where in this discussion do you want to start do you want to start with the krebs cycle do you want to start with uh, a little bit of how the digestive system works i'll lead that to you right now martha
1: well you know i think maybe we just start with the digestive system and what's going on in there uh, you know we often look at In disease, we're looking at human cells and what human cells are doing. But in the process of digesting our food, I mean, we really are what we eat. So, you know, that has a huge impact on what's going on in the digestive tract, how that lining is able to protect us from any sort of pathogens and things that are going through the pipe, if you will.
0: How thick is that lining?
1: It's like one cell thick. So it's a very, very thin layer of protection that we have that is separating us from the toxins, the, you know, the bacteria, fungi, viruses, all of that. And, you know, small molecules should go across, but you don't want bigger molecules going across that are inflammatory. So that's, you know, people hear a lot about uh, leaky gut, you know, probably five years ago, people thought, like, what the heck are they talking about? Now, you know, there's much greater understanding about leaky gut and what that means for inflammogens that are crossing that thin little barrier and getting into the bloodstream and in other parts of our body, where that be joints for arthritis or um, the brain, and how that's impacting our our overall health.
0: So we have this 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 thin layer. Length is just one cell and leaky gut, I would estimate and yeah, I want to hear your thoughts on this. I would estimate because it takes years for leaky gut to be actually diagnosed if it ever is. I would estimate that 80% plus of the American population has some variation of leaky gut. Would you agree? Would you say it's less? Would you say it's worse?
1: I'd say that's probably a pretty close estimate when you look at the disease burden we have and just what's been happening over the last um, 20 years to our food supply. there are so many things in our food supply that impact that permeability that it's you know it's very hard to stay away from all the different things that can kind of have an impact.
0: So true. It's uh, I'm always astonished, Martha, with all the hits that we take as a human body, how we just still kind of push through. Human body is so strong. The way we were built, God has built us so incredibly strong. We take so many hits and we still move forward. So With leaky gut, we have a scenario where these larger particles, like you mentioned, they go undigested. And they go through this mucosal barrier because there are holes in it. That's kind of what leaky gut is. So these larger particles now enter the bloodstream. What happens next? Why why is this problematic?
1: Well, so the one in particular that we've been looking very closely at is called lipopolysaccharide, LPS for short. And that is actually a cell wall component of gram-negative bacteria. So as those bacteria break down and die, you know, fragments of their cell wall are left and this LPS can cross over and get into the bloodstream and cause inflammation depending on where it goes to. And, you know, what was so interesting about learning about the microbiome and seeing gram-negative bacteria as one of the potential indicators in Parkinson's and then seeing that in a number of other diseases. I actually found a researcher in Israel who was a dentist. Um, He just died last year in his 90s and was still um, publishing papers all the way up to the end. And one of his areas of expertise, his name is Isaac Ginsberg. And he had this comprehensive theory around uh, he worked a lot on sepsis and infection but that after you have an infection this bacterial flotsam and jetsam or viruses or bacteria or fungi the components are still circulating in the system causing these inflammatory cascades and you know if you don't get the healing part of the cycle so there's two different kinds of macrophages m1 or the killers that you know, try to take care of something, and then M2 comes in and does the healing. And if you don't get that healing process going, you have this chronic inflammatory state that just continues to build over time. So you don't have acute sepsis, but you have this low grade kind of septic state. Um, And what happens in the body when you get an LPS challenge is it actually affects the macrophages in a way that there's something called lps tolerance and lps tolerance is kind of like a paralysis of the process of eating up those macrophages and getting rid of the debris because the macrophages are like your pac man so they're coming in eating stuff up and then there's a whole process of degrading that and If that process of degrading that gets slowed down or stopped, you know, it would sort of equate it to maybe like a traffic jam. Like you've got all these Pac-Man, they're eating stuff up, and somebody puts up a stop sign or a yield sign that slows that process down. And so you start getting this um, inflammation that's this chronic low-grade LPS.
0: That's the worst kind. So... How do you test for this to know if you have high levels of LPS, number one? And then number two, what are the leading causes to why LPS would be elevated? So first, how do you test and what are the leading causes to it?
1: So you test for it. There's a there's a blood test called serum LPS. It's not something that is done very frequently. We did it as a part of a clinical trial that we did. I'm sure you could get it at a, you know, at you know, one of the, the testing companies. Uh, yeah, well, LabCorp
0: request probably, yeah. yep.
1: I'm sure that they would have it. And they would do something to that effect, most likely if you had a acute infection in the hospital to test for, you know, um, sepsis or something like that.
0: That's the only way to test get a blood test of serum L- LPS there's no other way.
1: Well, I don't know if there is another way. That's the way I, I know. Uh, I haven't looked for another way. So I'm, I'm happy to look for another way and send you a note if I, if I can find it.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know if there is another way, but that's an easy way. It's just a blood test, a blood draw. So that's you know, how you get that done. So what are, the, what are the main reasons why somebody might have high LPS levels? Well,
1: it's the gram-negative bacteria. And I hope you're not going to ask me the names of all the gram-negative bacteria because I didn't memorize <laughs> no them here. But, you know, I
0: don't expect that.
1: <laughs> but you know what's also kind of interesting in this back to the the macrophages and not just the LPS. So LPS is part of that, but there are other proteins or peptides that these different bacteria are producing that can also trigger via something called molecular mimicry. So they'll create an antigen because your body recognizes, okay, this is a protein from a pathogen, and it will create an immune response and an antibody to that sequence. But a lot of those sequences in bacteria are very similar, the term is homologous, They're very similar to human proteins. And so if you get a buildup of those, then you can also end up with various autoimmune diseases. And so that's another area that we've been looking at is from our microbiome data that we looked at in people with Parkinson's, you know, different of these heat shock proteins that create an antigen, one being um, something called cardiolipin. The bacteria have a cardiolipin in that membrane also. So the body can create a reaction to cardiolipin, which is actually the mitochondrial membrane. So all the little you know, pieces of flotsam and jetsam, as I call it, can create mitochondrial stress.
0: Interesting. Yeah, and there's a study we're going to get into all about that. And cardiolipin is very important. It's uh, this lipid raft. And uh, it's really important for the integrity of that mitochondrial membrane. I was interviewing a gentleman named... Dr. Now I'm forgetting his last name. We were talking about fish oil. This is several years ago. And we were getting into some of the the research on the dangers of too much fish oil. A lot of people are just taking way too much. And he had referenced a study showing that when you overdose on fish oil, omega-3, it actually pushes out the cardiolipin and creates a uh, very, very fluid, too fluid mitochondrial membrane, creating a different... Problem than most people hear about because it's more of an omega 3 dominant, and we hear more about like omega 6 dominance. But either way, the cardiolipin is very important for the integrity of that mitochondrial membrane. Hey, when was the last time you bit into a juicy burger or a perfectly cooked steak and thought to yourself, this is the best thing I've ever tasted? If it's been a while, it's probably because most meat products are conventionally raised, which not only affects the flavor profile but significantly diminishes the beneficial nutrients and minerals. And believe it or not, even products that are labeled as grass-fed or ethically raised, to make you think they're high quality, are often finished on grain or in factory farms, which is why I am so excited to share something with you today that will not only help you avoid the hormones, antibiotics, and pesticide residues that diminish the taste of conventionally raised meat, could also save you nearly $1,000 over the next year on your grocery bill. And the best part? This may be the best tasting thing you've had in a long time. So what the heck am I talking about? I'm talking about Wild Pastures Meat Delivery. They provide the highest quality meats from small, regenerative, family-run farms here in the United States that prioritize sustainability and animal welfare. Their beef is 100% grass-fed, their pork and poultry are pasture-raised, something you won't find anywhere in the grocery store, resulting in meats that are not only healthier for you, but also better for the environment. One of the reasons why me and my fiance, Natasha, loves wild pastures is that we can opt out out of supporting harmful conventional farming practices and instead support small, family-run farms without spending a fortune. And the convenience doesn't stop there. They offer delivery straight to your door so you can enjoy delicious, high-quality meats without even leaving your house. No matter where you are in the lower 48 states, Wild Pastures has got you covered. Not only is this the most convenient way to get your meat products, but Wild Pasture meats are better for you nutritionally, and they're higher in the total nutrients, phytonutrients, antioxidants, key fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, proteins, and amino acids. And today... For keto campers, for a limited time, you can get 20% off every box plus free shipping for life and $15 off your first box. This is a crazy deal and I hope you take advantage of it. So Make the switch to Wild Pastures today and save nearly $1,000 on your grocery bill while feeling healthier and enjoying the best tasting meats of your life. All you need to do is go to the link in the podcast notes down below. Everything is already applied. All you got to do is click that link, customize your order, and you'll have some delicious, healthy-tasting meats very soon. Head to the podcast notes down below, click the link, enjoy your wild pastures. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. Let's get into some of the studies. Mitohormesis, is, is that the one you want to start with?
1: Sure, we can start with that.
0: Okay. So you sent that study to me about uh, how mitohormesis reprograms the macrophage metabolism to enforce tolerance. What did you see in that study?
1: You know, I mentioned a few minutes ago that when you get an LPS challenge, you can become tolerant. You get LPS tolerance because the body is designed in a way, like usually when we get an infection, like if you get sepsis, It's actually your immune system's response that kills you. It's not the pathogen itself. It's, you know, drowning in your own fluids that are trying to deal with the pathogen. So, you know, there's this you know, I guess maybe it's a valve release or something that in terms of a, you know, a good parallel that says, okay, well, we don't want too much inflammation. So let's set the system up to tolerate a certain level of inflammation. And so you get this LPS tolerance. But if you think about it, then when you have LPS tolerance and it paralyzes the macrophages, you know, you're getting this traffic jam. So, over time, you know the more and more traffic that builds up slowly with that l p s the more problems you start to see, which is why, if you think about what's going on with the American diet, you know we don't recognize it immediately; it's this sort of gradual thing that happens well, this you know mitohormesis, and I know you talk a lot in keto camp and talks that that you do and um you know, Dr. Mindy talks about uh, the importance of hormesis and intermittent stress for challenging the mitochondria and, you know, making them flexible. And so this process of mitohormesis can reprogram macrophages, but LPS can also reprogram macrophages. So you can get this sort of, I'll say a wobble back and forth, particularly if you have this constant buildup of LPS. So you've got this constant inflammation and you want to dampen that down, but you also want to get, you want to get rid of the traffic.
0: Yeah. We don't want a traffic jam. That doesn't sound good. So that's, you know, if you don't take care of it, that's where we're seeing it lead to things like neurological disorders. And even there's a connection to diabetes and other conditions, correct? Correct. Correct. That's not good. So, okay. Traffic jam. So it's kind of twofold, right? Do you want to get into the solutions here? Or do you want to talk a little bit more about the problems in the other studies? Where do you want to go?
1: I want to talk about something interesting, a, a new book that's out. I'm going to hold it up. And
0: Transformer these. by Nick Lane.
1: By Nick Lane. And that that's about the Krebs cycle, which we were going to mention earlier. So the the Krebs cycle is actually how energy gets produced. It's a, you know, it's a, circle of biochemistry. And in that process, a lot of different metabolites are used and produced and sort of go off in one direction or another. But it turns out that bacteria can run the Krebs cycle backwards. So, you know, this was an area I started looking at probably, I don't know, six years ago when I was trying to figure out what was going on with energy and people with Parkinson's, because they just sort of bonk sometimes. Same thing with people with chronic fatigue. And if you think about like a cycle that's going in a, a circle in one direction, producing energy or producing the metabolites that are used to produce energy, and then you have a cycle going in reverse, you're using up. And it's, there's basically something called a feudal cycle where you're feeding these intermediates back and forth to each other without going on to produce the energy that you need. So, yeah, his book was, I mean, I, I love his books, but it was really interesting to me, too, because he he was looking at the difference between nuclear DNA and mitochondrial DNA, you know, and I know we talk about mitochondria a lot. Well, they basically took a set of flies and they all had the same nuclear DNA, and, but they had different knockouts and changes in the mitochondrial DNA. And they were doing this study where they were giving the flies NAC, and this one set of the female flies all died when they got NAC. Because there was this mechanism in the process where these signals cause a res- repression of respiratory enzymes. So it starts dampening down respiration. And basically, they sort of suffocated from the inside out because respiration wasn't working properly. Well, that, you know, then that tied back over to this other stuff I had been looking at where. In bacteria, I was looking at, you know, lots of studies have been done on bacteria and what their preferred substrate that they grow on, different types of sugar and stuff. And I found that glucose repressed respiratory enzymes. So as long as there was glucose present, the respiratory enzymes were repressed. So, You know, that sort of played in with that fly thing is like... Similar
0: to the NAC on those female flies.
1: Right. Are we somehow through this high sugar diet that we're eating, are we repressing our own internal respiratory enzymes in the mitochondria? And then that, of course, tied back to the work of Richard Johnson, which you've had on your podcast before. Nature wants us to be fat. And the epiphany I had reading his book, and I talk to people who are doing keto and all these, they're like, I'm still having problems. I'm still having problems. And I didn't realize we produce fructose inside our body when we're under stress. And so you could not be eating any fructose, but if you're under a lot of stress, and that can be mental stress, that can be emotional stress, chemical, that can, physical, chemical, physical, nutritional. All these kinds of stress can then create this endogenous production of fructose, which then alters, well, one of the key metals in the body, copper. It chelates all the copper.
0: (laughs) Okay. A lot to unpack there. So it's interesting that you have found that glucose acts very similar to what the NAC did with that study in terms of like repressed respiratory system essentially lowering the energy production, right? So it makes sense though, because when you do keto, when you're in ketosis and we know ketones are these signaling molecules, they're actually communicating with the mitochondria, but it's also like mitohormesis too. It's actually ketosis is kind of like a mitohormesis. It is actually where it's a stress to the mitochondria, which forces them to get stronger, right? So we know that stress is only bad if you don't adapt to it, but when your body adapts to it, mitochondria get more robust. But just looking simply at the electron transport chain, when somebody is on a high sugar diet, a standard American diet, and they're utilizing glucose primarily, they're producing about 32 to 36 ATP, right? And then when you compare that to somebody who's in ketosis, it's 400% more. It's 132 plus ATP. So... I'm guessing, based off of what you just shared, part of that reason why you're producing less energy with sugar is because of this repression of that respiratory system.
1: Yes, and all those enzymes in the respiratory chain are copper-dependent. So when you start running on iron, and I think Morley might have discussed this with you, I think that 18 level can drop down to, instead of 32, it drops down to, is it two? Two or four, it, it drops down de- way
0: down. It, it drops down to single digits because it chelates the copper, which interferes with the energy production. Wow. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So, okay. So, fructose, does that mean we should avoid fruit or does that mean fruit in excess is really the problem? But fruit from time to time should be totally fine.
1: Well, I mean, I'm not the guru of this, but. I think if we look at how we lived historically compared to how we live in the last 50 years with refrigerators and airplanes moving food around, you know, we can have for any fruit we want any time at the grocery store. And if you think about when fruit ripens, it ripens at the end of the season when you're normally going into a period of time where you might be under food stress historically. So, you know, maybe at that point in time, that's, that's when you need to eat some fruit because it's local, available, fresh, hasn't been shipped from all over the world, and that's the signal to your body Of, you know, we're going into a different time and you should switch to a different kind of cycle. I also like, I talk a lot about food just being information. I mean, we're made of genes, food's made of genes, bacteria are made of genes, and it's all flowing through this pipe. And, you know, it's not as like, you know, there's a straight fine line between, you know, all of those pieces of genetic material.
0: Yeah, so many moving parts, which is why you know just telling people to eat less and move more doesn't help. (laughs) It just doesn't give you the full picture. Not denying calories. I'm just saying it's not important to just track your calories. There's so many moving parts and we haven't even yet scratched the surface, meaning like science on this incredible human body. We're just still figuring things out. Okay, so I agree. I think fruit could be great and I have from time to time. But if you think about what you just said, we're in this day and age, we're eating fruit winter, summer, spring, fall, year-round, anytime. You could get bananas, you can get whatever you want. And then on top of that, Martha, we know it's not just people who are eating the whole fruit. They're juicing it and they're getting this high glucose spike. So that's not what we want to do. We want to have fruit. When it's whole, have them seasonally or time to time if you have a healthy metabolism. So that's kind of the goal to build up that metabolism to introduce fruit, which is what I do personally.
1: Yeah, I'll just add to that some of the pectins, so citrus pectin and apple pectin. They can also be important components to um, membranes or helping with membrane assembly. So you know, it is something you want to. It's not like you want to say I don't ever want to have fruit.
0: Correct. So, what are your thoughts on Paul Saladino? <laughs> Two hundred to three hundred grams of fruit every day, and and meat, fruit and meat.
1: Well, I, you know, I think there's just everything in moderation, shall we say? Like, you know, that's just probably the best advice you can give somebody. And that's also why I really love the keto flex program, because it is, you know, we're doing things that have, you know, a a cycle and a balance back and forth. And we're not overdoing any one thing, you know, because you can swing the pendulum lots of ways. And that's a lot of fructose.
0: It is, and Paul is. Paul's great. He's super smart. I like him a lot. But he's also very active, metabolically healthy, and flexible. Somebody, you know, eighty-eight percent of the country is not healthy. Their metabolism is is just it's challenged right now, and they could do better doing a little bit more keto fasting, and then eventually start flexing, which is what we teach. And for example, like January just ended, right, and I just with a bunch of the students. I don't think you did it this time, but we did carnivore. Um, I'm I'm actually still going on day 33 and that's a good time to do it. The winter is typically when our ancestors did more animal-based, right?
1: I did it for about 10 days, but then I was traveling a lot and it's just really hard to do when you're staying with other people. It's restrictive,
0: yeah. What's the longest? I think you did it for a full month with us last year, right?
1: I did do it for a full month last year, but I did the... Phase four, uh, like I've I've never done the just like the level one.
0: Yeah, I me mean, neither. I I do like a com a, a variation. So you did, you did level four where it had you were you know, mostly meat but some like plant based sauces and spices. That's still great. Yeah, okay.
1: Although it's perfect time to do it because I just got we have cows on our farm that we've grown ourselves on the grass. And, uh, we just got
0: one of our back. So. That's awesome. Uh, I know where I'm going. If um, there's a civil war in the US, I'm headed to Martha's. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of LPS and um, you know A1C and high glucose, you did a fascinating study uh, that was conducted in Cuba, I believe. And you looked at A1C, you looked at LPS, and you looked at a few other things. Could you talk about that clinical study you did? Sure.
1: So we took our sugar shift formula, which was the formula I originally made for my husband. And we found that it was helping people get into ketosis. It was helping people improve their blood sugar and all that. So we decided to do a clinical trial in a diabetes cohort. So it was a double blind placebo controlled trial. So the placebo was actually all the ingredients in the formula except for the bacteria. So it was the same mix except for the bacteria we can see that it was the bacteria making the difference and they did that for 90 days taking two capsules one in the morning and one in the evening and measuring so they measured fasting blood glucose postprandial blood glucose and uh, serum lps and a measurement that's not used here in the united states but it's called homa ir which is a, a measurement of insulin resistance and we did microbiome data so before and after microbiome and stool test uh stool test yes
0: awesome okay and and a1c i think right and a1c yep
1: and so you know for anyone who's not familiar with a1c although probably most of your people are that's you know the sugar molecules that are on those cells is what they're measuring and so you know the glycosylated molecule. And so we, those blood cells, your blood cells typically will last about 120 days, although it varies from person to person. And we only did our study for 90 days. So what we found was the HbA1c stabilized in the the group that was taking our product and continued to rise in the group that was not taking the product. But then at the end of the study, since we determined you know ninety days with hundred and twenty day blood cell life probably wasn't long enough, we unblinded the study and kept ten people on the product for another ten days. I mean not ten days, another ninety days. So one hundred and eighty days total for that group of ten. And what we found at the one hundred and eighty day measurement point was there was about a fourteen percent drop in HbC. But at both ninety day and 180-day marks, there was a marked drop in the serum lipopolysaccharide. So, we were significantly you know, reducing that burden of uh, gram-negative bacteria lipopolysaccharide.
0: Fascinating. So, all they did was take one capsule of Sugar Shift in the morning, one capsule in the evening, and those were the results. That was the only change they made.
1: So... The cohort was split into, uh, so of those 30 people, some were on insulin, some were on metformin, and some were just on diet. But that was the only, I mean, they already had those interventions in place, and there was no other instruction of, you know, change this or do this. And, you know, in Cuba, they don't have as much access to, say, protein or something to change to a keto diet. So, it is a population that's generally on a higher carbohydrate diet already. Although, I would say anybody who's participating in a study is probably going to be slightly motivated to do a little more moving just because.
0: That's fair. Totally. So how, how many? I think I missed it. How many total people were in the study?
1: So, there were uh, 30 in each arm. So, 30 on product and 30 on
0: placebo so what is it in sugar shift that helped with the LPS, helped with all these other markers? What what were the specific bacteria that helped with this?
1: Well, so what we found was a decrease in some of the inflammatory bacteria. So acromancy, which sometimes is shown as a, a marker of inflammation. We also saw an increase in Fecali bacteria and Roseburia, which are, Roseburia is a carbohydrate degrader, but has been shown to be a beneficial microbe in the gut. And then the biggie was uh, an increase in bifidobacteria. So bifidobacteria is a, uh, that's a, I call it the baby bacteria, really. If you're breastfed, there's a single, which, you know, we don't have as much of here in the United States anymore, but In indigenous populations, breastfed babies will carry a specific uh, bifido infantis strain that is a single colony that's like training the immune system and doing all this incredible stuff. There's, There's actually a company, you know, if you have anybody who has a new baby, they have a, it's called Evivo, and it came out of UC Davis for that particular strain of bifidobacteria. But bifido has been shown to be protective in a number of different diseases. There's a strain that a group uh, Morinaga milk in Japan has looked at with uh, improving mild cognitive impairment. And they've also shown in the last two years in a lot of the microbiome research around COVID, that people with low bifidobacteria, had a higher or worse outcomes or more problematic COVID. And in Parkinson's, people have low bifidobacteria, which is interesting, because we looked at the different species of bifidobacteria, I'm getting off my study here, but in our Parkinson's data, there was one strain of bifidobacteria that they did have that is resistant to glyphosate, all other of the strains of bifido are mostly known to be killed by glyphosate.
0: Interesting. Okay. And what about manitol? Because you, you were uh, teaching us on the, the group call a few weeks ago about manitol and its uh, antioxidant scavenging property. So I'd love to hear more about that.
1: Yeah. So the product was actually designed originally to produce manitol in your gut so it takes glucose and fructose and the the bacteria transform it into mannitol and you get butyrate and which is anti-inflammatory and feeds the lining of the gut and you know a number of other anti-inflammatory compounds but mannitol is a really powerful free radical scavenger and it also helps with so in it's the most abundant sugar in nature and In plants, you'll find more mannitol in fruits and vegetables that are under osmotic stress. So something like a watermelon or celery will have more of it or even like a cactus or something like that where it, it helps with that you know the the osmotic flow and it's also interesting that mannitol is used sometimes in research when people are studying the mitochondria that's one of the media that they can put the mitochondria in to keep the mitochondria happy so it crosses one of the membranes but not the other membrane and you know i had another brain researcher tell me oh yeah mitochondria is a really interesting molecule because so it's used in brain trauma if you have... mannitol, mannitol,
0: yeah. you mean. Yeah, yeah.
1: mannitol is used to reduce the swelling on the brain, but he told me uh, it causes a tsunami in the cerebrospinal fluid. So, you know, one of the things I'm looking at is, is that free radical scavenging maybe going on, like if you're, you know, flushing the cerebrospinal fluid, <laughs> I don't know. So we're still kind of looking at ways that we can do deeper science on the mechanisms when we have the funds to do that. But it's a really interesting, because it behaves differently than a lot of the other polyols. Um, You know, most people like run from the polyols and the polyol pathway can create a lot of problems in the body, but mannitol is different. And humans, if you take mannitol, most of it will come out in your urine. So it's it's not absorbed it's, it's often used um as a substitute a sugar
0: substitute for diabetics. Do you recommend using that as a sugar substitute or not?
1: Well, my husband does take it because like our design of the formula was based on this research that showed that manitol by itself that sugar alcohol in an animal model could stop the aggregation of the proteins that were a hallmark in parkinsons and then pull them out of the brain of the mouse and get rid of them. You know, that that's how I came up with the idea. And so then there was a group in Israel that set up uh, something called Clinic Crowd, and they were crowdsourcing data from people with Parkinson's taking manitol. To report if there was an impact on their symptoms, and there for a period of time there was quite a bit of information about it. You could go to the Clinic Crowd website now; it's very difficult to find. Um, there's a Vimeo uh, story from the the I think he was a technology entrepreneur who started this whole process because he had Parkinson's, and they interviewed different people and and how remarkable their change in symptoms was from the manitol. So, you know, again, everything in balance, but John does take about two tablespoons of mannitol a day. So
0: That's fascinating. Okay. So what about somebody who, you know, somebody who's not at risk for uh, Parkinson's, they don't have Parkinson's, would you suggest using mannitol as a sugar substitute or would you go with something like stevia monk fruit or maybe erythritol or do you think mannitol is totally a good option?
1: Well, I think mannitol has some pretty interesting properties. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, you're you're changing my mind because I in the past would not usually it would not be my go-to. I would, you know, lean towards Stevie or monk fruit, but you're you're kind of changing my mind here.
1: Well, I also had to I, I was using monk fruit in a number of different things. And my my oldest son, who helps me in the business, has a lot of food allergies and he cannot eat monk fruit, which kind of was like, hmm, what is it about monk fruit? Or is it how the monk fruit is pro you know? You also have to think about how things are processed.
0: For sure. They're all processed. That is correct. Yeah. I think we could agree though that these are better options than like sucralose or aspartame. Those are those are ones we want to yes. stay away from for sure. <laughs> Definitely
1: agree on
0: that. Hey, keto camper. What if there was an easy way to help detoxify your body, ease stress, unwind, and hey, even burn more calories? What I'm talking about is sauna. Usage Now, there's a lot of studies that show the benefits of using a sauna and it could be kind of complicated because they're expensive and typically you have to go to a facility to use a sauna. What I love about my sauna is that it's a blanket that I use at the comfort of my own home. I use the one from Bond Charge and sauna blankets work by raising your heart rate to that of physical exercise so you burn calories while you're relaxing and you could burn up to 600 calories in one session. Sweating also helps flush out toxins like heavy metals from your body and elevating your heart rate while relaxing releases endorphins, which can leave you feeling euphoric. I feel like I just got a 60-minute massage when I get out of this thing. It works by using infrared light, which heats the body directly rather than the air around you like a traditional sauna. This means you get the same benefits at a lower heat. You also don't need to have your head in the heat like a traditional sauna. It's very easy to use. You can enjoy a session of 30 to 45 minutes while relaxing, reading, watching TV, or meditating. It's easy to clean. It's low EMF, especially compared to other brands out there. Simple and easy to get set up. And even more important, you, Keto Camper, are offered a nice coupon code for Bond Charge's products, including their infrared sauna blanket. So head over to bondcharge.com slash ketocamp and use the coupon code Keto camp at checkout to get 15% off your order. We'll drop that link down below along with the coupon code in the podcast notes. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. What about the role of antibiotics? I want to talk about this a little bit because it's just so common, Martha. For crazy things, doctors are just so trigger happy to just prescribe an antibiotic and there's a time and place for them for sure, but not the way we're prescribing them to this day. And how long does it take to rec- the, for the gut microbiome to recover from one round of antibiotics, and what is it doing to the gut when we're taking these antibiotics on such a consistent basis
1: so i mean there's lots of, of research on what it's doing, and probably one of the best uh labs to look at is Dr. Martin blazer he was at n y u now he's yeah right he's got the, a great book he's got yeah a great book about it and has continued to do fantastic research on the impact of antibiotics. And in particular, you know, he showed in some of his studies that macrolide antibiotics and off the top of my head, I can't think of brand names, but I think maybe a Z-Pack might be a macrolide that the microbiome never recovers from a macrolide. Never, never.
0: He used that word never or rarely.
1: He said, never, I believe he said, never. wow,
0: that's an absolute.
1: Um, And that sort of sent me, so back to our friends, the mitochondria, there's a group at, I think it's the University of Oregon, who did a, like a gene transcription paper on antibiotics and the microbiome and overlaid, okay, this is what your mitochondrial gene expression looks like. And then when you take antibiotics, this is what happens to the mitochondrial gene Expression. I'll send you that paper, Ben.
0: Please. That's fascinating.
1: And then here's what happens with the resistome that is left behind, those bacteria that are left behind, what happens to the mitochondrial gene expression? And you actually have more problems with the resistome that's left behind than you have with the antibiotics. But to sort of connect that back to John, you know, we were doing microbiome. I mean, He's had probably 150 microbiome tests, whole genome. I mean, that is thousands of dollars of research that we did on him. And, you know, we had been looking for markers in Parkinson's, but especially looking at him. And, you know, then we showed with him taking sugar shift, how it was moving back to a healthier microbiome. But in that process, we also identified a intracellular parasite that was in both his fecal microbiome and his oral microbiome. And one of my advisors is a world-renowned infectious disease doctor. And she said, whose sample is that? I said, that's my husband. She said, well, that could be causing, you know, nearly all his symptoms. And it was a parasite called Toxoplasma gondii, which it turns out about a third of the population
0: is infected with. Of the U.S. population?
1: Yeah, I think it's global, but the U.S. too. There's a big study about uh, the impact on neurological disease from the university of Chicago related to talk to. So we, while we were measuring all this stuff with sugar shift, we actually, we went to the doctor, they treated him with Bactrim, which is a antibody. It's like two different antibodies, it's a sulfa drug and something else. And it was pretty interesting because his memory improved like within a week. His memory was much sharper, but His microbiome just like dropped and was down to so many things were gone, but there was one bad bug that did not, it dropped a tiny bit, but not that much. And it's called porphyrmonis. And I know you talk to people about the importance of oral health. Well, porphyrmonis is an oral pathogen. And that's also a marker that we've found as a potential, you know, one of the potential contributors in Parkinson's.
0: Wow, that's found in cavitations, and the, you know, it's an anaerobic bacteria found in the in the gums. Yep. Oh, interesting. So the antibiotics that they gave John, your husband, helped short term because it wiped out that um, parasite. Was it a parasite? You said. Yep. And his memory came back, but short term benefit he did some long-term damage because it wiped out, you know, his diversity decreased and all this good bacteria decreased. So you learned something from that.
1: Right. So we had to, you know, rebuild again. And then last, the December when I had COVID, he had COVID too. And, you know, he didn't fare as well as I did. And he also had, um, you know, he had a gram negative bacteria infection and took an antibiotic then. And, it, you know, it's taken us close to a year to get him back, you know, where he was. So it's, you know, like if you look at, I forget what the theory is in ecology, but there's a this theory about what happens in a system when it gets disrupted. You know, you have a disruption and then it settles back, but not exactly to the level where it was. And you have another disruption and it settles, but you're constantly leveling out to a, a different new normal. And it never really ever goes back.
0: It's wild. And if you just think about, oh, you have a UTI, here's a round of antibiotics. Oh, it's not going away, here's another round of antibiotics. Oh, you have whatever (laughs) silly condition going on, antibiotic.
1: What people really don't realize is how much antibiotics are in the food supply. They're given to animals as growth promotion. That was a hot topic four or five years ago. They changed some regulations, but it really hasn't changed much about what's been going on. But you know all these great convenience foods that we get pre-packaged chopped vegetables, lettuce, you know, triple wash lettuce is washed with chlorine. you know you get a tub of hummus if you didn't make it yourself and you bought it at the grocery store, that's basically a petri dish. So what do you think they're putting on top of the petri dish? anti-enzymatic things so that it won't you know grow something on it, but then you're eating anti-enzymatic things and enzymes are what break down your food so,
0: I'm glad you brought that up because somebody watching or listening is thinking, well, I don't, I've don't. i never gotten, or it's been years since I've gotten an antibiotic, but the food supply, um, the these animals that are pumped full of them, but also the vegetables. Let me ask you this. You mentioned the lettuce and the hummus. What if it's organic, uh, 100% certified organic non-GMO? Is it still a problem or, or just less of that contaminant in there?
1: Well, I used to think it was less of that contaminant. It probably is less of the contaminant. But I did a talk for the Natural and Organic Association about three years ago about the uptake of antibiotics from manure into roots and shoots of plants. And organic produce is primarily grown with fertilizer that is conventional manure. So it has the antibiotics in the manure. It has the glyphosate from the feed. I've actually been working on a study with Dr. Don Huber, who's probably one of the global experts on glyphosate, looking at an organic farm and what was happening to one of their crops where it couldn't form the proper structure. And that was because um, calcium, manganese, and copper were chelated from the plant. And, you know, that was basically from the conventional manure we traced back to the glyphosate that was in the conventional manure.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: Everything's connected.
0: Everything is connected. So there's different levels here. So I don't want to, for those listening and watching, I don't want you to feel like, oh, what's the use? If it's, I can't get away. There's different levels. But even if we're getting grass-fed beef and there might be some antibiotics or whatever in the fertilizer, we might be getting some of that. It's a lot less than... Grain-fed, pumped full of antibiotic, caged animals. So there's levels that are better. Of course, the best level would be to grow your own food and go live on Martha's Farm. But I get that. I live in Miami. I'm not going to do that. So there's levels. But here's the great news: there's things you can do with supplementation, diet, nutrition to repopulate and heal the gut. You know, fasting is terrific for the gut. So you know, we just want to do our part and do the best you can with the food supply and all that. And then. Do keto. Do fasting. If you could get Martha supplements, which I'll talk about in a second, there's things you can do there. So, uh, you know, I just want to give that hope to the audience. I don't know if you want to add to that. Yeah.
1: Well, I give hope too because you know we also have um, we have another company that does agricultural products where we are working with farmers with our soil probiotics to remediate hydrocarbons and glyphosate out of the soil. Because you know, it is all connected and it can be fixed, but we have to take action and and make people aware of it and speak up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love um, I don't know if you've checked out Paleo Valley has a sister company called Wild Pastures, and they're actually a sponsor of this. And they actually are like a hundred percent legit. Like their fertilizer is free of antibiotics, no glyphosate, like that's a right sort of farm that does it the right way. It's regenerative farming. So there are companies that are doing it, it's rare. But to mark this point, they're all connected. we're all it's all connected and just keep doing the best you can. So I know we spoke a lot about your product sugar shift. By the way, I need some more of some sugar shift. <laughs> you could get that keto campers if you're uh, watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast. we'll drop a link down below. But sugar shift is the main product we spoke about today. It's the one that you did the clinical studies in Cuba. You could find that product over at Biotiquest.com. that is b i o t i quest.com I'll drop a link in the notes and we have a 15% coupon code that Martha has graced the Keto Campers and the code is keto k15 that is k e t o k 15 we'll put that in the notes down below but you also have you know a probiotic for the immune system you have a probiotic for the cardiovascular system you have a probiotic speaking of which that I always send people to get if they've gone through a round of antibiotics called the antibiotic antidote and that was formulated to repopulate what the antibiotic has gotten rid of right All right so you have that you have a one for sleep perfect peace coming soon what's that
1: well that's to support mood gaba production we're gonna bring that out this year but we're we're delaying it just because we've had so much growth on the other products, you know, <laughs> yeah,
0: <okay. understood. laughs> like we
1: don't need to like put another thing into the mix here until <laughs> right now. So, but it is, um, to help with mood and I, you know, I have a couple of entrepreneurs I know who are working on other products for, you know, brain health and, and mood and depression and that sort of thing. So
0: that's awesome. I love it. So yeah, you can get any of Martha's products by code is keto K 15 Anywhere else you want to send them? Any other website or any other social media?
1: Well, if there, if anyone is interested specifically in Parkinson's, I do have a blog called Martha's Quest where I write about nutrition and exercise and the microbiome and Parkinson's disease. I mean, so you can you can get a lot of resources there and connections to doctors who are looking at specific you know, a little more out of the box type things in terms of Parkinson's. So that's a great place for, for people to go. And if they want to get nerded out on poop collection, my, my bio collective website, but we don't really collect poop anymore.
0: Yeah. yeah. We talked about that last time. You collect a lot of poop in the past. So we'll drop links for all that down below. If somebody is interested in learning more about what you know and what you have learned in terms of books You mentioned Nick Lane's book, but any other books that come to mind that you would just suggest for the audience to explore?
1: Well, um, there's a great book from John Cryan and Ted Dinan out of uh, University College Cork in Ireland. They do some of the best um, gut brain research and it's called The Psychobiotic Revolution. Does a great job of explaining more in layman's terms how the the brain and the gut interact and things that you might think about to do there. I think those guys are great. Um Emran Mayer's book, I think it's the Mind Gut Connection or something to that effect. He's What's of- what's
0: the author's name?
1: Emran Mayer, M-A-Y-E-R. Um, that's a great book. Um, and then... Yep.
0: The Mind Gut Connection, Emmer, Emmer and Mayer, MD. Mind Gut I'm adding this to my cart right now. It's got a lot of reviews. Wow.
1: Yeah. And then, uh, Rodney Dieter, the human superorganism. So he talks a lot about, um, he's actually, uh, I think he was a veterinarian. He's retired from Cornell and, He shows this rise in what they call non-communicable diseases like diabetes and that and the connection to what's going on in the immune system and the food supply in our diet. And, you know, I've been very lucky a couple of times to actually meet with him or be on a panel or at a conference with him. What's the name of his book again? Um, The Human Superorganism.
0: Okay, got it. I see you're interesting. It's a
1: bit older book, but
0: yeah, you're, you're you are inspiring me to do like a whole month of the gut microbiome, a brain connection, like a whole series of it. Bring on all these people and do an interview and then just drip it out throughout a whole month. It'll be like a 30 day masterclass on the gut microbiome.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm happy to give you like a whole list more of people, but um, you know, we are more microbial than we are human.
0: It's true. And, um, Way more. This is just the condominium for our our microbes, right? It's like, that's what we are. Okay, great. We'll we'll put links for those books you mentioned. And then, you know, Martha was on the KetoCamp podcast before. So if you're watching on YouTube, we'll put that video interview so you could watch that next. If you're listening on the podcast, we'll drop that in the notes. We'll put your website and everything you mentioned down below. Last question for you, Martha. You know, my favorite vitamin is vitamin G, uh, gratitude. And I've got a lot of gratitude for you. I just your friendship, your support, your, uh, I'm learning so much from you. And I just want to ask you, what do you got vitamin G for today? What What are you grateful for?
1: Oh, well, I'm, I'm truly grateful for you, but I am so grateful for all the people who contact me and like, they, they bring me little nuggets and, they also bring me appreciation. So, you know, I feel wonderful. If there's somebody who has a question and I can help them, I'm grateful for the opportunity to help people. And what I learned from your vitamin G, I sign all my letters to every customer that I write to, to every person that I, you know, am emailing or whatever with gratitude, because I am really grateful for the opportunity I have to have this knowledge and to be able to help people feel better.
0: I love it. Yeah, it's so, that's so cool. I love that you do that. There you go. Martha, uh, thank you so much. Oh, one more thing. Me and Martha are going to be speakers at KetoCon, right? KetoCon is going to be the Super Bowl of Keto Conferences. taking place the third week of April in Austin, Texas. Martha is going to be speaking on, is it molecular mimicry, your topic, or is it something else?
1: I'll be covering molecular mimicry, but just overall kind of how the microbiome and keto play together and, you know, what what these metabolic changes m- mean for our health in our... In our- awesome.
0: Yeah. I can't wait to see your lecture. So Martha's going to be speaking on that. I'm going to be speaking on more of like the cell danger response and ways to support the mitochondria with ancient healing strategies. I'm also doing a meet and greet and a, um, a workshop on keto flexing, and I'm going to be hanging out all weekend. So is Martha, and we're doing a keto can meetup. So I'm saying all that because I want to inspire those listening and watching to go get your tickets to KetoCon. We'd love to give you a hug and hang out with you. It's ketocon.org. And I do have a coupon code, which is um, KetoCamp for $50 off your ticket price. So go check that out. Martha, I can't wait to have another conversation with you and and also see you in KetoCon in a few weeks.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Ben. It was great to be with you today.
0: Hope you enjoyed that fantastic discussion on the gut microbiome with Martha Carlin. If you want to get her product Sugar Shift or any of her products, head over to biotiquest.com. Use the coupon code ketoK15 for 15% off your order. If you want to watch our lectures in person and hang out with us in Austin, Texas at KetoCon, go to ketocon.org. Use the coupon code ketoCamp at checkout for $50 off your ticket price check out her blog, her social media. We'll reference that down below. And make sure you head over to YouTube if you want to watch the YouTube video version of today's interview, youtube.com slash KetoCamp. Please share this interview with somebody you know, post it on social media, tag me in it, and consider leaving the show a rating and review if you haven't done so already. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with Martha Carlin and myself. I will see you on the next episode.